How could I forget to mention A bicycle is a good invention Sitting there in a silent movie Beside the only girl who really ever knew me Happy days but sad facing Heaven knows I'm on the case So how could I forget to mention A bicycle Somebody told the Start riding a bicycle again I really like it. I really like riding a bike. Um, I did mostly uh, start riding again for vanity. I was getting fat. I am still kind of fat, but um, I don't know if the bicycle is going to necessarily change all that, but uh, I feel really good riding the bicycle. It feels very freeing. It, and, you know, of course, it reminds me of being a kid and stuff like that. I think it's funny. It makes me, you know, makes me happy thinking about being a kid but you know my my childhood fucking sucked um it was also fucking great but i feel almost like uh obligated to say that to follow that up afterwards because i mean it's pretty easy to see like you know i, I my childhood was not as bad as other, other people's um especially people people around me i had examples friends who had, had a much worse uh, go than me but, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was exactly uh, the happiest person. I guess I'm still not. I, and that makes a lot of sense, you know? I don't know how many... I don't know. It's weird. I, I actually don't know. I was thinking about am I a happy person or not. And I don't think I'm... Uh, I don't think I'm an unhappy person, but I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm a happy person. I, I, I think it's hard to say which one I'm... Which one would, would be a better label for me. You know? It depends on the moment. And it goes back and forth. But I'll say I definitely feel I can, um, when I'm happy, I, I can feel it, which is great, which is nice, <laughs> which is nice to feel happy. But, um, yeah, and riding a bicycle feels feels like that. It's cool, man. I, I think a bicycle is maybe one of the best things we have done as a, as a species, you know, of all our inventions. It's very, it's so simple, and it's kind of, there's a weird grace to it. Like you're just kind of balancing on these two wheels and going through the air, feeling the wind through your hair and on your face. And it's funny, I ride my bicycle mostly through cemeteries now. I live by a bunch of cemeteries. I live in Massachusetts, which is, <laughs> I think it's this one big cemetery. I mean, I guess it goes for, for everywhere, but we're, we're really out and proud about it. You know, there's uh, cemeteries and Dunkin' Donuts, and there's probably Dunkin' Donuts Cemetery somewhere. Maybe that's what the whole state is, but um, so I live by all these cemeteries, and and so when I first got the bike, I was I was really you know a little cautious because I, I I I have never ridden a bicycle in the streets like along the road like you're supposed to now. You know, as a kid, I did, you almost always rode on the sidewalk or found a way to avoid being on the road. So I I rode the safest place, which is the cemetery. You know, always is. And the cemetery is great. It's like a little mini city with these roads with the no cars, or there's a few cars once in a while. I ride my bike through them, and uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty fun. I have been telling people too, which is true. You know, it's the the weather's really nice right now. It's summer, and I'm I'm wearing a big floppy old lady hat because I have to because I'll get sunburned really easy. You know, so I'm wearing a big old floppy old lady hat, and I'm riding through the cemetery, and I'm I'm just beaming like a fucking idiot, just so happy. And there's people, of course, every once in a while, putting wreaths and other things on on headstones of uh, of of the of their dead, and I'm smiling, going past all these people, and 
you know, I'm trying not to be a dick about it, but it's kind of <laughs> kind of clear that um, we're in different heads headspaces. But it's weird. I feel like that's um, I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes it feels like when you're in a good mood. I don't know. When you're in a good mood, it's e- it's easier to spot those who aren't. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm not saying I should not smile when I'm having a good time. You know, but um, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. But it's weird. I, I've been thinking about lately how I'm, I'm always talking about pop culture and movies and comics and all that shit. And, um, you know, I still love them, obviously. Nothing's changed, but I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, sometimes I feel like I should talk about the other, the real life things because they're, they're way more important. And they actually, even if you don't, even if you're, like, you're a diehard, you're, you love your fiction, you love your pop culture, whatever it is, music, um, you know, none of them will exist without the real life experience that um, inspires them. Even if they're a crazy escapism fantasy thing, it's all, it's, at least if it's, usually if it's good, there's some emotional integrity to it. There's something like, you know, there's a reason why you know, Star Wars or whatever it is affects you more than um, whatever knockoff 70s uh, sci fi movie that was trying to be Star Wars, you know? Because there's something about. There's something in there that, that happened to somebody on some level, you know? So you, you, that horror novel you really like about the the clown in the sewers is really about just the darkness of childhood and growing up in, in general, you know? Abusive stepfathers and, and bullies and just how people, even good people and your friends can be shitty to each other when we get careless with what we love. It's all there, and that's why it's important. So sometimes I think I, I gotta remind myself of that. It's really weird. I feel like um, I spent my whole, most of my life now just creating things from my head, you know? And I can't, I can't quite figure out if that was just to escape where I was. Or if it became that, but it initially started out as just a pure... Um, form of imagination, pure expression of, of, of thought. You know, I don't, I, I don't know if, um, if uh, having crummy things happen to me or around me or just being uh, upset is why I, I, I um, initially started going, getting really into my own fantasy world or if that's just like where it went or that maybe... It started as a small thing because every kid has imagination. But then I was like, "Oh God, I, I I'm," because I, I I'm really uh, deep down. I think I'm maybe over oversensitive. I mean, that's not. I mean, just really sensitive. I mean, it's not a negative connotation to it. The point is sensitive, right? And I think I uh, I was overwhelmed by by life in my world. So I even if it was a pure, just I'm an imaginative person. That's I like stuff like that. I like creating things. It became like an escape, and so you know I definitely deal with real life, but I sometimes wonder if like I'm getting lost. You know, I get lost in these little worlds, and what's crazy is you know I was naive to think uh, up until fairly recently. I mean, really, that I was uh, I guess just to say it plainly, I was gonna be famous. You know. In some way, I mean, and famous to me really was just like, yeah, people know 
know my name, know my work, and I could live off that. I could live without a, a real job, a regular job, you know, that sort of thing. And I think the last, uh, is, you know, I'm 36. Uh, I think from 30 on is a slow realization that it's not going to happen. And then the kind of struggle with acceptance, because, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, obviously. I'm, and I'm old enough now to realize, yeah, it's, I, my life's pretty good. I, I'm really happy. I'm really lucky. And that's that's serious. you know that's sincere. I'm I'm a really lucky guy. Always have been, but I'm old enough now to appreciate that a little better. And so, uh, what I would view as before compromise, or just like you know, well, you're saying you're accepting it, but it's just because you can't fucking do it, and you know, whatever. I, I think I, I think I'm coming to acceptance, but the funny thing is I'm still trying. And it's it's and it's not exactly like I'm still trying to be famous, whatever that meant exactly. It's just like I'm still I'm still in it, just because I want to keep on creating and I want to reach more people. You know, I, I want to I, I I like I like knowing that strangers have read something I've done or listened to something I've recorded or seen my drawings and they they dug it or it meant something to them. You know. That's uh, that's amazing. That's uh, if it's not amazing. It's it's pretty damn close. It makes me feel good, and beyond me, um, it's it's cool that someone else. It means something, anything to someone else, even if they, even if they fucking hate it. Hopefully they don't hate it though, because I am sensitive, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but it's weird. It's like um. I I feel like life has been in a way this 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 continuing uh, cycle of me thinking uh, being really driven about one thing and thinking that my motivation is uh, usually a negative self destructive kind of thing and being mostly right but then when it comes to um, it comes to a head and I realize like um, you can either say I'm too much of a coward to self destruct completely. Or I have too much sense to go like this is this is stupid. This is a bad end. I, I can I can get past this. Um, when it comes to that, then I realize that my motivation wasn't entirely just that negative thing. That maybe that negative um, motivation was sort of like a cancer that grew out of um, something I, I made to protect myself. Which is kind of weird to say that. The example was um, uh, I think I was. 17 or 18 I'm pretty sure and um, my father and my uh, my father had not been in my life for most basically my whole life and um, he was uh, up until like age 9 or 10 um, I'd see him every summer or every other summer sometimes uh, briefly for a couple weeks or maybe a month or so and um Every once in a while, I talked to him, you know, but I didn't really know him. And then eventually, uh, he just dropped out, right? And so we didn't talk. Um, I think I went down there once. He lived in uh, Florida at the time. I think I went down there once when I was ten, maybe, maybe eleven. I think I was ten. And then after that, we basically we talked a few times on the phone, and then that was that. And so um, he uh, 
talk to my sister sometimes, but I basically, um, I, I was done. And, you know, my sister would call him usually. He, she was the, she was the motivator. She was the instigator. And I was kind of, I'm just done with this guy, right? So flash forward, and it's been um, eight or nine years since I've uh, spoken to him. And I, at the time, I was, um, actually, I think I must have been 18. Um, I was working, maybe I was 19, shit. <laughs> um, I was working at Blockbuster Video, and um, I was uh, living with my mom still, and I was helping to support her. My mom is, uh, I love my mother, but she's a drunk, you know? And she was having trouble holding that job. She recently split with her boyfriend of uh, eight years. Um, and, you know, times are tough. So me, my brother, my sister had moved on and moved out already. So it was me, my brother, and my mother. And me and my mom are both uh, paying for the apartment we had together. And, you know, I, I'm pulling down Blockbuster video money, so I, I ain't got much. So, um, it, you know, it almost all goes to my mom. And I remember... Real quick, like I remember, part of me was like, I should get a better job. I, I gotta, I gotta. We need money. This is bad, you know. And this is at the point where, like, uh, I think my mom had totaled her car. She was drunk and just destroyed her car. So we didn't have a car anymore. And you know, we lived in Tucson, Arizona. So it's like you really need a car. Taking the bus just sucks, and it's not, not everything's accessible. And I, I, I didn't know how to drive. I didn't have a car. Couldn't afford a car, obviously. So, you know, so I was like, I need to get money. I'm like, I'm the breadwinner in a lot of ways. But I was also really pissed off at my mom for um, putting me in that position, you know? I was 18 or 19. I was like, I, I wanted to leave this house since I was 16, and I'm stuck here. And um, I was angry. And, of course, she was she's a drunk. She's an alcoholic. And, you know, she's not, it's not like I'm, I'm helping out this person who um, just fallen on bad, you know, hard hard times and bad luck I mean she was but she's also you know causing a lot of it so I was sort of in a, in a really funny way I was like defiantly uh, a slacker I was like I won't, I'm working a blockbuster video I'm not going to get a better job because it's all going to go to mom anyways and uh, you know even though obviously it, it would have helped out the situation and also maybe would have helped me able you know to, to maybe if I had made enough money to move out somewhere right but you know I'm also a high school dropout I got a GED there's not a lot of opportunities for me, you know. Um, I'm not a handsy guy. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't. I just go to a construction site and, and start doing stuff. I, yeah. So, anyways, I'm working at Blockbuster, and um, at some point, um, I do get a, a better paying job, right? Slightly better paying, and the better pay is a job at Circle K, the convenience store. And it's a graveyard shift, is why it's like two bucks more, or something like that, an hour. And I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm already, I'm a night owl, so it's not really that exactly. But you know, it's a graveyard shift. No one wants to do that. And so I, um, I get this job. I'm working it for just a week, and it's graveyard shift, and it's full of fucking junkies, and drunks, and weirdos, and just fucking the reprobates of the desert, right? And you know, everything stinks of cigarettes, and I'm just like, I'm really not happy, and I'm doing this, and I. I I just remember it's, this is really crazy, and this will kind of bring it back to pop culture. I, I got off my shift at some point, went home, and I think it was the, the 
he's either a music video or a movie. It's from Eddie and the Cruisers. You remember that movie? Um, they're either playing a clip from it or they're just doing like a, I was watching the movie. I've seen it a million times, but the song from the, the movie's about a fake band, a fictional band, Eddie and the Cruisers. And um, there's this faux Springsteen-esque song called On the Dark Side. And I, I've always loved that song. And I, I think as a kid, I thought it was Springsteen. It sounds just like him, you know? It's John Cafferty and, and the Beaver Brown Band. There's the other real guys who did it. And that song was playing. And it's like the intro is just a little piano. And then the vocal comes in. And even now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I get that same feeling. I just heard that song and I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my entire life? I feel like I'm just waiting for my life to start, waiting for my life to begin. I listened to that song and I just had this sense of like, no, I, I I, I, I gotta I gotta make a change. I gotta I gotta stop living for other people. Like what do I wanna do? What what do I what do I actually wanna do? And so I quit my job, Circle K. I bought a Greyhound ticket uh to Ohio. I found my father's address rifling through my sister's things. And she had it written down somewhere. And not telling anyone, lying to my mother, telling her I was going with my friend Joe to Alaska, of all places. And my mom was, you know, she's drunk, and I'm, you know, I'm 18 or 19, and she, you know, she can't really stop me. She, she believed me. But anyways, doing all this within a couple of days, I, I took a greyhound to find my father and confront him. I have no idea what the fuck I was doing. I just felt like I had to do this. It's It was the craziest thing. At the time, I, uh... <laughs> uh there's a lot of wild parts to it, you know? But I, I remember, um... Another bit of music. I remember, um, I made, uh... I think it was, I don't, I, I think it was, I just brought CDs and a, a Discman. Uh, maybe it was like an MP3 player or something. I, I don't know anymore. But it actually couldn't be an MP3 player because we didn't have a computer. I didn't have a computer until I moved out. So no, it must have been, I must have stuck a fucking Discman. <laughs> or a Burn Among Us but I made, I had brought some songs. It was, you know, it was, it was a Discman. Because <laughs> I remember I brought the album. So I brought, um, in my mind, because you know, you think your life's a movie, which is a sickness. You know, imposing narrative on life—it's it's so fucking dumb. We all do it, but so in my mind, this is my the, the hero's quest, right? You know, this is um, this is me going out and uh, and starting and settling things, right? Settling the score, because <laughs> I was I was very young and dramatic and sensitive. So um, I was like, which song should be the first song I play on my headphones when I get on the Greyhound and begin my quest to cross. Uh, the entire country, going from Arizona to Ohio, to confront my my deadbeat dad, and so I I picked uh, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and Infinite Sadness. Uh, played the whole album. So the first song, which is instrumental, it's really uh, it's 
beautiful and poignant and it kind of sets the whole theme and it, it sounds like someone embarking on a big journey and it was it was a huge journey for me and you know Greyhound is full of interesting customers and I was on it for three days and I got a little antsy and you know like I said no one knew I was coming and I didn't know where I was I, I didn't know where I'd never been to this place before but I, I made it to Ohio and I found uh, I got a cab went to my father's house he wasn't home and I, I basically uh, he had a he had two stories on his house and um, you know the doors were locked on the bottom so I climbed the drain pipe got up to there's a little top porch area and there's a, there's a sliding door and sure enough that was uh, that was unlocked and so I, I went into his house when he wasn't there and it was like walking into a museum of my future self it was the weirdest fucking feeling like seeing the books he had and some of the ways it was decorated it's, it's all these little things which is weird they're all surface stuff but like uh, like we and stuff that people always told me you know I, I didn't know him at all really that well but um I ended up in some ways a lot like him I'm probably a lot more like my mother but um we have a lot of the same tastes you know so it was really eerie seeing some of the stuff he had and just it's some it's hard to put in words it's like some of the, it's the way kind of kind of like the way I decorate my my house which is I don't decorate at all but you know it's haphazard and things are just kind of put here there willy-nilly there's some sort of sense of semblance there's a there's a certain way it's just kind of plopped around and that that's what it felt like and so I remember I, I um looking at his bookshelf and um taking a taking a couple books of, uh, that I loved from his bookshelf and I, I remember tearing some of the pages out and I remember tossing some of those books out into his yard I, and I still don't know exactly what the hell that was but eventually as I waited and I was not sure what the hell I had a not a speech, but I had something, some things I, I, I thought I was going to say. I heard a car pull up, and I went out, out to the porch and watched. And Dan, my father, and his uh, girlfriend, Judy, who I had known, they'd been together, they basically were married. I'd known her when I was like eight or nine. They looked up, and I remember Judy's like, holy shit, Dan. Like, cause she, and she's like, she didn't know who that was. You know, she didn't, she didn't, they, they didn't know what I looked like. I'd grown up, but Dan, I'll give him this, he, he looked right up at me, stared right up at me, and it, there's a, a second of fear in his face, because there's just some, some man, some guy, some young, some kids staring at, up from him, staring down from him, down at him, there's a moment of that, but then he said, it's Tony, and he knew me. And even in that moment, when I was, I was just, I had, I had uh, there's a fury in me. Like, I, I don't know, there's some, uh, that, that he would recognize me, which of course he would, but that hit me. That hit me at the moment. And I was starved enough for any sort of recognition 
especially from him, that, I don't know, that, that pride something loose in me. It was weird. It was really weird. So, if I remember correctly, I, I climbed down the drain pipe. I don't think I went down the stairs. I met him outside. And at first, I remember speaking in a kind of uh, sharp way, but then I remember I eventually just started screaming at him. I remember asking him what happened. What the fuck happened? Well, you know, well, uh, a less articulate way of uh, all the things I wanted to say. Why didn't Why didn't you? Uh, why didn't you call? Why didn't you try? Why didn't you try? I, was, I think if that's not what I said. That's what I kind of was trying to get to. And of course, you know, he his initial thing was like, you know, why didn't you try? And I remember I called him on it right there on the spot. I was like, what the fuck? I'm a, I was a kid. You're my father. Like, you know, this is this is your job. And he. he he understood. He he shook his head and he nodded and he's like, "Yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry." And I told him, you know, I didn't need him, and I was here to tell him that I came here all this way just to tell him I didn't need him, which is ridiculous. And it's, I mean, it's true I didn't need him, but I obviously needed something from him. And I remember he kept looking at me and he looked. You know, I hadn't seen my my father, like I said, like in, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years, right? Close close to a decade. And he, he had gotten old, you know? And you, you, when you're somebody, you're with your mother, or, you know, anyone you're, you're close to, you gradually see them age, and you age with them, and it makes sense. And he was this old this old guy, you know? I can still see the, the guy I remember from before a little bit in him, but he's this old guy, and... He looked at me, and he, uh, you know, my dad always had really sad eyes. I remember that. He had, real, he had a real, real sad kind of puss to him, you know. And he it just gotten deeper, even more caked in. He looked at me, and he was just like, he held his hand. I said, like, will you please shake my hand, and please come inside so we, so we, we talk. I just want to, he's like, I just want to, I just want to get to know you. And he's he kept on repeating, I was like, just please shake my hand. And I was like... I remember saying, fuck you, fuck you, I think he said, fuck your hand, I was, I was just, at that point, I was losing it, and he was like, it doesn't mean anything, and he's like, it doesn't have to mean anything, Tone, like, he's like, just please shake my hand, and there's this, you know, my whole life, it's really funny, I have a, I have a, I have a temper, but it's quick, and I think part of the reason why it's quick is, um, I, I yeah I think I don't like upsetting people, which is weird because like I've been known <laughs> to upset people all the time. Usually when I'm trying to be funny, I mean that's where it comes out, you know. But um, I don't like hurting people's feelings. Usually, I, and I think in some ways it's a weakness where um, when sometimes and I actually I think I've gotten passive, especially when I was younger. I used to be afraid to confront things, and then eventually. You know, I, I I'd build up and then I I would confront people and I'd probably overdo it because I'd been storing up all this stuff, you know. So with Dan, uh, when he's held his hand out, I, 
I was just like trying to turn off that part of my brain, the part of my brain that's uh, afraid of displeasing or upsetting people, you know, because I was like, this this guy doesn't deserve shit, you know. But there was this, here he was, and he was like this old man, you know, his hand out, just like, like please, just, you know, just shake my hand. And he kept saying it doesn't mean anything. And, then, and I know, I know, obviously, it meant it does mean something. I knew that then. But, you know, I shook his hand. And we went inside and we talked. And I think he made me a cheeseburger later on. We had a beer. We talked some more. My Uncle Pat came by. He lived next door. There's a photo of us, us three. And I remember going to bed that night and just. And things had not gone the way I planned at all. I didn't know. I still don't know if shaking his hand was like the biggest mistake of my life or if that was me growing up actually doing the right thing and getting over my shit to a point. Because, you know, that the next morning I, I, um, I called my grandma who lived the state over in Pennsylvania and they were nice enough to come by my grandma and grandpa and pick me up. I didn't want to continue to be with Dan. And I remember seeing my grandma and uh, my father together. This is my this grandma, this is my mother's mother. And I had never seen them together before. And I didn't think about it until, um, until like years later, until like 30 or something like that. I have not a single memory of my mother and my father in the same room. I have no idea what they're like together. It's a very separate thing. They divorced from us too, you know. I just, I just never, I'd never seen them in the same room together. So it was really interesting seeing Dan with uh, the other side of the family. But anyways, you know, I, I, <laughs> I yeah, to this day, I, I lean, now I'm getting old and sentimental. I lean towards, um, I'm glad I went in there. I'm glad I shook his hand. And I'm glad I talked to him. Because I didn't forgive him. I never said that. I, I even remember at the end of the, the next day when he, uh, uh, when uh, my grandma picked me up and we, we said our goodbyes, uh, Dan, uh, he, he hugged me and he told me he loved me. And I didn't say it back. And it's funny, I regret, I regret uh, shaking his hand and I sometimes regret not saying it back. I it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's how I feel. But anyways, um, I, I talked to him a few times on the phone afterwards, and then um, a couple of years later, uh, when I was 20, so maybe it was a couple of years, I, I, <laughs> my timeline's all fucked up. I think I was 18 when I saw him, and then it was two years later. That makes sense. Um, I'm 20. Or maybe I was 19 because I was almost 21. It's right before I was 21. Uh, my nephew Bryson died. He was four. And Dan came back for the funeral. And I had another night with just me and him. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the last time I talked to him, you know? And he died. Uh, I was 26. So, um, 
five, six years later. And what's crazy is um, I think Dan was, I think he was the same age my mother's father was when he died. So I think he was four, he could be 48. I think he was like 50 or something. I think that's right. But um, the point is when I was 18 or 19, when I saw him, and you look like an old man. He really wasn't that old because I'm 36 now, man. And I'm, uh, I'm getting I'm getting up there. It's weird. And uh, it's back to the bicycle. I don't remember, uh, you know, I, I remember I rode a bike... I, it took me a long time to learn learn to ride a bike without training wheels. I was, I was always a little immature, you know, a little slow, little little butter knife, you know, not not too sharp. So I used to ride on training wheels, and I was like way too old. But um, I think I think it was up until um, we moved to Arizona, you know, which I think I'm like age nine or so when that happened maybe 10 that's how long it took me to ride a bicycle without training wheels I saw I think about that I think about you know I moved out of my house finally when I was um, 20 because I was just sick of paying everyone's bills you know I, came, I went back to the Blockbuster video to, to uh, close the circle on that one I went back to Blockbuster they let me have my job back I, I worked there for 7 fucking years <laughs> but I stopped paying my mom's bills eventually and she figured it out and I figured it out and, you know, of course, it's real life, you know, occasionally, uh, sure, man, I, I help her out, got to help her out, you know, there's no end to that, that's family, but, um, I'm always late to things, you know, I always feel like I'm waiting for life to start, and my life has definitely started, don't be wrong, but now the thing is, now the feeling is with, um, it's sort of like, uh, my creative life, it's like, um, I don't want that to become the new uh, the new training wheels where like I'm like so focused on all these things where I I don't take the time to go. Oh hey you know this this is a friendship this is a, a relationship this is you know this is a family this is you know because I do those things obviously but uh, sometimes I'm like you gotta live in the, you gotta live right now like I think I gotta find a little bit of a better balance I think because uh, I love doing this creative stuff and I, if I don't do it um. I don't feel right either, you know? But I think uh, the bicycle, the bicycle is a good middle ground because the bicycle, I can just be in the moment of riding the bike and, you know, just enjoying that, you know, on a nice summer afternoon. But I can also, you know, think of my thoughts and think of my stories and what I want to do. And it's all mixed up and I'm outside at least, you know, out of that fucking basement. <laughs> so I don't know Get a bike The ghost called a lot of misery She'll never know just how I feel Out of the shadows she walks like a dream Make me feel crazy, make me feel so 